Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word. So spring's a bad example. We see bad examples all the time. Uh, I could probably look at a few of your brackets for the NCAA and find some bad examples of what it means to do a bracket out there. That probably wouldn't be the, the, the best example of what to do in the world. Uh, but there's all kinds of bad examples. Got a picture here of a bad example. If you're thinking safety first, probably not the way to put up the banner right there. So we see all kinds of bad examples in the world, but there aren't enough good examples. And when you do come across a good example, it tends to stand out because it's just different than the other things that you genuinely encounter in life. And so we're going to be looking this morning, our sermon series has been on Impact Louisville. We've been talking about how the life of Jesus made an impact when he encountered people. And this morning on this Palm Sunday, we're going to be looking at the death of Jesus in three different scriptures. And we're going to be talking about how even in his death, the way that Jesus lived and the things that he did had an impact that was eternal upon people's lives. So take your Bibles and turn over to Luke chapter 23. We're going to be in three different gospels this morning. We're going to start over in Luke chapter 23. uh, And the first thing we see is this. That Jesus made quite an impact because he confronted his problems with faith, strength, dignity, and care for others. Jesus' impact came from the way he lived his life when everything fell apart, when he had problems, and when he had troubles. Now, the truth of the matter is, in your life, people aren't going to care when everything's going well. If everything's going well in your life and nothing bad is happening and you have a strong faith, nobody's going to care. Okay. All right. Well, you probably should at that point. What people are going to notice, what's going to stand out in people's minds is how do you live? What kind of faith do you have when life isn't going well? When everything falls apart, when things aren't the way that they're supposed to be, then what kind of life and faith do you have? We certainly see that with Jesus here and the impact that he had. Think of what everything that Jesus has gone through before our scripture begins here. First of all, he was roundly hated by the religious leaders. They did everything they could to, to uh, test him, to make him look bad in public. Then he has, uh, he's arrested unjustly. He's giving an unfair trial. There's false witnesses who lie about him. He's finally condemned to death when he hasn't done anything wrong at all. Then he's taken and he's beaten by the, by the Romans and he's sent out to die upon the cross. As they're taking the nails and they're literally nailing the nails into his hands and feet, Jesus looks at the people who are doing it and says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And then Jesus is taken uh, where, to the place of crucifixion. And let's see what happens in our scripture passage, Luke 23, down to verse 32. Now, two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. And when they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching and the rulers even sneered at him. They said he saved others. Let him save himself if he's the Christ, the son of God, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him, offering wine vinegar and said, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. 
There was a written notice above him which said, This is the king of the Jews. And one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him and said, Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and save us. But the other criminal rebuked him and said, Don't you fear God? Since we're under the same sentence of death, we're being punished justly. We're getting what our deeds deserve. This man hasn't done anything wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. So the example that Jesus had in his suffering and his problems and his challenges on the cross is going to have an impact. And the impact that it has in the story that we're looking at here is upon one of the other people being executed with him. We're told that there were two criminals executed with Jesus. Now, we don't know what they did. Sometimes uh, people say they were thieves. Well, they were obviously a lot more than thieves because whatever they did, their actions resulted in the death penalty. And one of the two criminals said, we are being justly put to death for the things we've done. Okay, so these are some bad guys here that are being put to death with Jesus upon the cross. But one of them begins to hurl insults at Jesus. Now, if you're dying on the cross, why would you care about somebody else? Maybe it's just because it helps relieve your suffering to mock somebody else. I may be dying, but this goody two shoes is getting it too. We don't know. But the impact that's made is on the other criminal. The other criminal has looked at everything that's come before this. He's seen the way that Jesus acted when he was being whipped. He heard Jesus' words when they were literally nailing the nails into his hands and feet. And he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He heard all of those things. He saw Jesus' dignity and strength as he was dying. He saw his example. And as the other man began to hurl insults at Jesus, he said, what are you doing? We're about to die. And it's interesting what the guy says then. He says, don't you even fear God now? In other words, he's saying, look, we're going to be dead in a second. We're going to stand before God in judgment. Aren't you afraid of going to hell? Aren't you afraid right now of what's going on? And then because of the example Jesus was in his suffering, hoping against hope, he looks at Jesus and he says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. This guy who's wasted his whole life, this guy who is a who is some sort of criminal or, or traitor or, or rebel who's being put to death for his sins, looks at Jesus and says, please remember me. Now, why does he do that? Because Jesus' example in suffering and hurt and problems has had such an impact upon him that he believes that Jesus is who he says he is. And he asked Jesus to come and to be in his life and to forgive him. And then Jesus says the most wonderful words at all. He says, today you'll be with me in paradise. Now, I usually don't get into a lot of Greek or anything. For one reason, I don't understand any of it. Uh, but but uh, uh, So that's probably the main reason. Uh, but, but, you know, uh, the, the Greek here is really interesting. The word that the criminal on the cross uses is, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. That word come that he uses here is the Greek word parousia. It's the word that we often use for the second coming. And so what he's saying is this, is sometimes in the future when your kingdom comes, remember me. And then Jesus takes that and says, hey, I'm not talking about any kind of future. I'm talking about today. Don't, it, don't, I'm not going to remember you in my parousia today. You're going to be with me in paradise. So this man's whole eternity is changed on the cross by the impact that Jesus had as he was a witness and example through his suffering. 
I said it a little bit earlier. People aren't going to care if you have a strong faith in God when everything in your life's going well. People are going to care what your faith is like in God when things don't go well. When you have financial problems, when you have relationship problems, when, when, when things hit you like illness and death of a loved one. How do you react then? That's what people want to know. Is this stuff really true? Because if it's just when things are good, they can say, well, that would be any, anything. We could go with that. But what's it like when things aren't going well? That's when people are going to look at you and notice and want to know what's going on in your life. That's when they're really going to take notice. And so we need to understand that in those times, you're being watched closely than ever before. Now, that, that's not always fair to us, you might think, because that's the time you're hurting the most. That's the time you're questioning the most. But if you can keep your faith and show strength, dignity, and care for others. Even on the cross, Jesus was concerned about the other man. Because after all, he is dying for the sins of the world. Uh, but Jesus' example in suffering made an impact. So when things aren't going well in your life, what kind of an impact are you making with your faith, the way you're reacting, and the way that you're treating others? It makes all the difference in the world. Monty Williams is the assistant coach of the Oklahoma City Thunder. And uh, he's a very strong Christian. Everybody in the NBA knew that Monty Williams was a strong Christian. He spoke at all kinds of banquets and everything, uh, led a Bible study uh, on the Thunder team. And then just a few weeks ago, quite unexpectedly, Monty Williams' wife was killed in an auto accident. She was coming home. A driver uh, crossed over the center line, hit her head on, and she was killed. Monty Williams spoke at his wife's funeral. All of the members of the Oklahoma City Thunder are there. So you've got Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook. All the members of the Los Angeles Clippers were there because they were in town. And the entire Clipper team came to the funeral. And what Monty Williams said at the funeral was so powerful that on the NBA on TNT that night, they played a clip of Monty Williams speaking at his funeral because of the impact it had even to, to secular announcers about to start an NBA game. I want to play you just about a minute and 50 seconds of what Monty Williams says. But even more than that, look at the impact it has upon the announcers, upon Charles Barkley, Kenny Smith, uh, uh, at, at the announcers. Look at the impact it makes upon NBA announcers. Well, let's look at this clip. Monty Williams and his wife's play on Thursday night. Several members of both teams were in Oklahoma City. For the funeral of Ingrid Williams, the wife of Thunder assistant coach Monty Williams. She was killed in an auto accident last week when her car was hit by a driver who had crossed the center line. She was 44. Monty and Ingrid have five kids, and at Thursday's service, the coach delivered the eulogy, and it was beyond powerful. Everybody's praying for me and my family, which is right. But let us not forget that there were two people in this situation. And that family needs prayer as well. And we have no ill will towards that family. In my house, we have a sign that says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We cannot serve the Lord if we don't have a heart of forgiveness. That family didn't wake up wanting to hurt my wife. Life is hard. It is very hard. And that was tough. But we hold no ill will towards the Donaldson family. And we, as a group, brothers united in unity, should be praying for that family because they grieve as well. So let's not lose sight of what's important. God will work this out. 
My wife is in heaven. God loves us. God is love. And when we walk away from this place today, let's celebrate. Because my wife is where we all need to be. And I'm envious of that. But I got five crumb snatchers I got to deal with. We all know Monty. An ordinary man with extraordinary faith. Now think about that for a second. This is an NBA broadcast. But the impact of somebody showing faith in times of severe hurt and trouble made an impact so powerful that they thought it was worthy to be put on television during the NBA game that night. When your faith is tested, that's when people are going to be watching. Jesus' faith, when it was tested, made an impact and actually, even on the cross, led someone to Christ. So when times of troubles hit us, that's when our life can have an impact as an example. We see another time in Scripture at the end of Jesus' life where it made an impact. Look over to Matthew 27. Turn over to Matthew 27. And what we see is this. Jesus' lifestyle was simply different and above that of other people. His lifestyle was different and above that of other people. So the first thing we saw was when things go bad, people are going to be looking at you and saying, what's your faith right, like now? But another thing people are going to do when they look at your example is this. They're going to compare the way you're living to the way that other people live. How are what they, what are what, the way that they're living, the values that they have, the things they're standing for, the way they treat other people and want to help other people. How is that different than the way other people are living? We've already seen it in the life of Jesus that that stood out in so many ways. When they're driving the nails, he says, Father, forgive them. The strength and dignity that he had. But I wanted to point out something over in Matthew 27. Look at that now. So Jesus has been condemned. He's been taken to the cross. Uh, they're about to put him to death. But I want you to look at how the religious leaders act after Jesus is taken to the cross. Look down at verse 39. First, it's the crowd. The crowd, those who passed by, hurled insults at him, shook their heads and says, uh, you were going to destroy the temple and build it in three days. Well, save yourself and come down from the cross if you're the son of God. So first of all, we see the example of just the crowd. The crowd's just there to have a good time. And since everybody else is mocking Jesus, the crowd joins in and mocks Jesus. They're mocking him. They're making fun of him. Uh, you were supposed to be a great religious leader. Ha ha, well, save yourself if you think you can save other people. Then the religious leaders in verse 41. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't even save himself. If he's the king of the Jews, come down from the cross and then we'll believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him if he wants. For he said, I am the son of God. So now the religious leaders are mocking him. You know, it's not enough that they hated him. It's not enough that they wanted him out of the way. It's not enough that they've condemned him to death. But even when he's dying, they've got to laugh at him and mock him. And then we're told that even the criminals, and we saw it was just one of the two, but even the criminals mock him as they're dying with him on the cross. So you're one of the Roman soldiers. You're at the scene. You're seeing all of this. So you're seeing the way the crowd is mocking and making fun of a dying man. You're seeing the way supposedly the good religious leaders are acting as they're mocking him and laughing at him as he dies. And even the other criminals are doing it. And you're watching all of this. But not only that, as one of the Roman soldiers, 
You were literally there when the nails were being driven into his hands and he looked you in the eye and he said, Father, forgive him. He just doesn't know what he's doing. And all of these things are swirling in your mind. And then this happens. Jesus cries out with a loud voice. And when he does, he dies. And as he dies, the earth begins to rumble and begins to shake. And a mighty earthquake takes place. Who thinks you'd be a little freaked out right now? I think you would. So let's see what happens in our scripture passage, verse 54. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and everything that had happened. All the stuff we've just described. Then they were terrified and they shouted out, surely this man was the son of God. The example of Jesus when compared to others was quite a stark difference. You know, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, we're supposed to be salt and light. In a world that is, that is, that is, that is ugly and hateful, we were supposed to be loving and forgiving. In a world that's all about number one, we were supposed to care about other people. In a world that's jealous and spiteful, we were supposed to be uplifting and encouraging. And so in all of those things, we're supposed to be different than the world around us. Jesus was certainly different in his death. It didn't take a rocket science to figure out religious leaders mocking a man dying on the cross. Okay, that's not their greatest moment. The man dying on his cross, asking forgiveness for the people killing him and telling the other criminal, hey, uh, today you're going to be with me in paradise. The difference could not have been more stark between Jesus and the other people around him. And the truth of the matter is, when it comes to the way you live your everyday life, nothing should be more stark than the way you live your life and the way the world is out there. Because this is a tough, mean world that often only cares about itself. And you're supposed to be different. You're supposed to be loving and caring and forgiving and helpful. And when people see that, it makes a difference. And it's supposed to be in all of your life. Think about, uh, first of all, school. What about at school? How is the way you act and live and the things you do at school, how's that different than other people at work? When you're at work, how is the way you're acting, the way you're behaving different than other people? Is it just about you? Is it just about the money? Uh, do you cut corners? Do you do things that are, that are a little bit uh, uh, fishy just so that you can get by and look better? Or are you caring and helpful? Do you work hard? Do people know that you're there in your neighborhood? Uh, are you the person that people says, ooh, stay away from them. They're mean as a snake. Or are you the person people come over to and say, hey, can you help me move the couch from one room to the other? You know, you, you get to know pretty quickly the people in your neighborhood, who they are and how they behave. What about in your family? Uh, are you the person always causing problems in your family? Is it always about you? Or are you the person in your family that's trying to pull everything together and truly trying to care and help and be a part of what's going on? So in all of our life, we were supposed to be examples of the good things of God. And people were supposed to be able to say, man, there's a big difference in the way that they're living and the way other people are living. Now, we're all mess up. None of us are perfect. We're never going to do it always right. But on the whole, as people, you look at your life, it had better be different and stand for different things than the rest of the world does. And if it doesn't, then there's probably something wrong with the way that you're living your life right now. And they go, you need to go back to a certain to something else and start back. From scratch, But there should be a marked difference in the way you live and in the way others in the world are living. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about, that kind of stark difference. 
Last year in a women's softball game, Western Oregon was playing Central Washington. Anybody see that women's softball game? Of course you didn't. But, but uh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, but but uh, Western Oregon was playing Central Washington. It was the last inning. There was two outs. Central Washington was about to, uh, to uh, win. Uh, a young girl by the name of Sarah Toklowski got up to bat. She had never hit a home run in her entire life. They were down by a run, two outs, a runner on base. Sarah hit the first home run of her life. She was so excited. She just won the game. She got so excited that she totally missed first base when she round the bases. And so the first base coach starts yelling, you missed first, you missed first, come back. So Sarah stops and pivots to go back all excited and does it so hard, she blows her knee out. And she's laying there crying. The coach begins to run out on the field. And the umpire says this, if you take a step on the field or touch her, the home run doesn't count. Okay. Uh, she gets first base and that's it. And so she says, stop, stop. And so the coach goes back. Nobody knows what to do. She crawls back to first and touches first with her hand. She tries to get up. Can't the, the coaches are saying, look, this is stupid. Just come on. The trainer's there trying to take care of her. And she says, no, 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 no. I can't do this. She's crying and trying to crawl to second base. The pitcher who had just given up the home run and the second baseman from the other team go out and pick her up and carry her around the bases, making sure she touches each base. By the time they get home, every fan from both teams are standing and giving a standing ovation to what they see. It was different than you would think. It was something above how people were supposed to act. And it was so powerful an example that a women's softball game in central Washington won the ESPY for the most courageous act a couple years ago. And here's a picture of them winning their, their ESPY award, uh, the three ladies that were involved. When people look at your life, they were supposed to say it's different than the way other people are living, the example that you have. Jesus certainly showed that in our scripture passage. It not only made a difference, it led the Roman soldiers and the centurions to call out and say, surely this man was the son of God. We're going to look at one final story from the death of Jesus over in John chapter 19. John chapter 19. So what we've seen so far is that your example is going to matter, your example of faith when problems and troubles hit. People are going to be looking at you. How do they respond? Second thing we've seen is, okay, that's problems and troubles, but your everyday life should be salt and light. It should just be different than the way other people are living, and people should see the difference in your life. And that brings us to the last thing that we see in John 19, and that's this. Jesus was unafraid to stand for what he believed, regardless of the consequences. Jesus' life was consistent and strong and bold for God, regardless of the consequences. He didn't care if it was going to hurt, to hurt him. He didn't care if it was going to, to be a bad example for him. He was going to do what he thought was the word of God, regardless of what anybody else thought about him. He was going to stand strong for God, no matter what was coming. <laughs> now over in John 19, Jesus has died. Uh, they've taken him off the cross. Now the question is, what do you do? Uh, you know, we've got this dead body. Uh, do we go and throw it in a pit somewhere? What are we going to do with it? 
And that's where our scripture picks up, John chapter 19, verse 38. Now later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, because he feared the Jews. And with Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. And Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh, aloes, about 75 pounds worth. They took the body of Jesus, the two of them. They wrapped it with spices and strips of linen in accordance to the Jewish burial customs. And at the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb, which no one had ever been laid. Because it was the Jewish day of preparation and the tomb nearby was empty, they laid Jesus there. It's interesting. There's a man by the name of Joseph of Arimathea. What we find out in the other Gospels is Joseph is a very wealthy man. He's a member of the Jewish ruling council that condemned Jesus to death. But he opposed the death sentence that was given to Jesus. And we're told that he was a disciple. He believed in Jesus. But our scripture says he believed in Jesus secretly because of his fear of what might happen. Now, what might have happened? Well, if you're a very rich, prominent person and you're a member of the ruling council and the entire council, but you hates Jesus and wants to put him to death. If you start backing Jesus or saying, I believe in him, it could affect your business. It could affect uh, your social situation, what parties you're invited to. Uh, It could affect how people saw you. And so he believed in Jesus, but secretly. Now, here's what's interesting about our scripture. Jesus has died. It's too late to do anything about that. But he looked at the impact that Jesus had had. Regardless of what was going on, Jesus stayed consistent. Regardless of what was going on, Jesus had faith. Even when it came to being put to death, Jesus would not compromise what he believed. And here's Joseph of Arimathea. It's too late for me to do anything with Jesus. He's dead. He didn't know anything about the resurrection. All he knows is Jesus is dead. But he looks at the example of Jesus and he said, this man was willing to die for what he believed for God. If he's willing to do that, then I'm willing to say I believe he was a great prophet. And he goes to Pilate and we're told in the gospel of Mark, he goes to Pilate with great boldness. And he says, I want the body of Jesus. Now, he is a very wealthy, influential man. The body is turned over to him. But think of what he's saying. I'm willing to risk my business, my reputation, my social status, because I'm going to stand for what I believe now, because I saw Jesus stand for it, and I'm going to do the same thing. That's the impact Jesus had upon Joseph of Arimathea. Even when Jesus is dead, he gains the boldness To stand up for what he believed. When we see the example of Jesus, we need to be following the same thing and say, when people look at your life, do they see that same kind of boldness? Or do they see someone that that you just go with whatever crowd you're in? If you're with with a crowd that's wild and crazy, you'll party with them on Saturday night. And when you show up at church on Sunday morning, you'll worship and praise God that, that day. You know, wherever you're at, that's however the wind blows. That's where you are. That's what you're doing. Or do you, do you have a faith in God that people see is going to be strong and, 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 and sincere no matter what's coming upon you? When people see that, it begins to make a difference. It's not just convenient. It's not just something that, that's there in the good times. Their faith is a faith that is strong and there, and it's going to stand up regardless of what's going on around them. There was a tragic story in Yemen just a couple of weeks ago 
uh, there was a senior adult home there. And uh, because the fighting was so intense, everyone at this senior adult home fled. And five nuns came in who didn't even live there. They were all from Africa. Got a picture of the nuns right here. And they said, some of these older people are too sick to move, too old to go anywhere. We're going to stay and we're going to take care of them. So they stayed and they cared for these people until the, the Yemeni rebels came in and they killed all of these nuns who were taking care of these senior adults. Now, you could look at that and say, hey, you know, okay, they had boldness. They risked their lives. They gave their life for Christ. But it's what happened afterwards that shows the impact. In this, in this area that's almost 100% Islamic, people looked at these women willing to give their life for something they believe to help senior adults who were probably going to pass away. They were so ill and couldn't be moved anyway. And that whole area is now undergoing a revival for Christ because of the witness of these poor ladies here. You see, their boldness made an impact upon the people in that area, and it caused quite a difference. So we've looked at three examples from the life of Jesus, and this is what we've seen. Even in Jesus' death, while he's suffering on the cross, the way that he lived, the example that he set made an impact because it was just simply different than the rest of the world around him. So people are going to look at you and say, okay, when problems and troubles come, what's your faith like? What kind of impacts that's going to have? People are going to look at your everyday life and say, are the way you're living and the things you're doing just different than the rest of the world? Is it really salt and light? And people are going to look at your life and they're going to say, is your faith just convenient or is it something that's bold no matter what's going on? And they're going to they're gonna look at you and from those examples, it's going to make all the difference in the world. There was a a great story that was sent to me on, on Facebook this week. Uh, it was on WLKY as well. Uh, very sad stories. It started out, uh, there was a young man by the name of Troy Stone in Detroit, Michigan. And Troy has a very severe uh, type of muscular dystrophy. Uh, so severe that his body now is completely shutting down. He can't even breathe on his own. And so he has to be on a ventilator. Uh, the doctor bills have gotten so much... Uh, that his family weren't able to pay uh, the electric bill. And so the city of Detroit told them, well, we're going to cut all the electric off. And so they got a note from their doctor that said, you can't cut the electric off. He has to be on a ventilator. Uh, They'll make payments or whatever. The city of Detroit received the letter, and because it was signed by the nurse instead of the doctor, denied the letter and turned the power off. So they had battery backup. The battery backup was going off. The boy began to struggle for breathing, and the mom panics and, of course, calls 911. And so uh, 911 shows up, and they're told the situation. Power's been turned off. Uh, We don't know what to do. So one of the firemen, Ryan McEwen, gets on the telephone, and he calls uh, uh, down to the power company. He says, hey, this, this guy is going to die if you don't get the power back on. And they said it was denied and there's nothing that we can do about it. The bill's not paid. The power stays off. And Ryan McEwen says, how much is the bill? And they said it's $1,800. Ryan McEwen had been laid off from the fire department for three months. It was his first week back. He had almost no savings. He takes out his credit card and says, put it on my credit card. And so they put it on his credit card. The power is turned back on. Ryan didn't want this story to be known, but the captain of the fire station called the local news and told them anyway. 
And it became such a story in the Detroit area that in one day, a company of Detroit said, well, we're going to pay the electric bill for the rest of the year. Other people begin to send in money. Over $30,000 has already come into the family to help the family with their expenses. And a, a, a car company says they're going to buy a new handicap accessible van for the family as well. Here's a picture of Ryan, uh, the young boy Troy, and his mother, Christy, uh, after the power had been turned back on there. Now, why do I tell you that story? Because one man looked at something and said, I don't know, but this isn't right. I'm going to do what I can do. And so he did what he could do. Even though he had a lot of bills, he put this on his credit card. And his example made such an impact that now the entire area of Detroit is jumping in on this because one person simply did what was right and his life had an impact. Every day you're going to be encountering situations at home, work, school, your neighborhood, at your kids' ball games, And your example and the way you live is supposed to have an impact for God that makes a difference in people's lives. We saw it with Jesus, and we were supposed to be seeing it in the followers of Jesus as you live your life each and every day. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you that your life made an impact upon our life, but Lord, made an impact upon our eternity. Lord, help us now in our lives to have that kind of impact. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keyword, mywrbc. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening and join us next week for another message from God's Word. Thank you.